what does your personality reveal about you? And would it help you to know more about your strengths, your weaknesses, and how both can serve you? What if you also knew this about your partner and significant relationships? Now, we all know that pilots are a unique breed. Most are analytical, critical thinkers, compartmentalized, handle stress, driven, used to being PIC, pilot in command. And this can be a challenge to assimilate back home after a trip when the wife, spouse, partner has been running the show. So how do we navigate this potential turbulence and find the smooth air and blue skies? Enter the Enneagram, a personality-based language for why we think, feel, and do life the way that we do. That's exactly what we're going to cover on today's show. Welcome to the Pilot Wife Podcast, your ongoing checklist for navigating your best life as a pilot wife and aviation family. I'm your co-captain, Jackie Elmer. I've been a pilot wife for over three decades and can't imagine any other lifestyle. On the show, you'll hear stories, experiences, tips, advice, interviews with other pilot wives, pilots, aviation professionals, non-revving and travel experts also on this journey. Yes, it's a mixed bag of goods, but what life isn't? I'm here to bring you the best that the aviation life has to offer. If you have a topic suggestion, a story to share on the show, details are at the end. And if you want the Pilot Wife Survival Guide and Checklist, go to pilotwifechecklist.com. Now, stow your baggage, strap in, and let's unpack the Pilot Wife life. Well, for that, I've brought on my special guest, Kelly Tibbetts. Kelly is a master certified Enneagram coach and certified working genius coach with over 25 years of leadership experience. Together, we're going to look at the key concepts that create a deep level of self-awareness. Kelly, thanks for joining us for today's show. Jackie, I'm so glad to be here. So tell us a little bit about you. I, I gave a brief introduction, but I know that it means more when it comes from you specifically. So tell us a little bit more about you, your background, how you got into this type of work, and then we'll get into assessing ourselves and assessing those pilots. Excellent. So I am a former teacher, a former pastor, and a mom of three adult children, been married for 26 years. And I found the Enneagram like you did. Um, I found it in 2017 and just found it to be something that gave me insight into me, my family, and especially my marriage, why we were so very different in the way we thought and felt about things. And so I began to study it. And from there, decided I wanted to be certified in it so that I could share my information that I've learned with other people. And so now I'm a life coach specializing in helping people develop self-awareness. What brought you to the Enneagram? Well, when I first, you find it, well, first of all, yeah, just simply tell us what the Enneagram is, and then we'll come back to how you found it. Well, the Enneagram is like maybe some of the other personality assessments people have heard of Myers-Briggs disc. And I've always been fascinated by all of those. I loved when I first heard about Myers-Briggs having this ability to tell you the difference between introversion and extroversion, such a basic level of self-awareness, but it really explained the difference between me and my husband. He's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And so we require different things to get energy. The Enneagram goes a little bit deeper. Instead of just explaining some of the information about how your personality works, it helps you understand your why. 
through um, a lens called core motivations of core fears and core desires, we begin to understand, oh, this is why I think the way I do or I feel the way I do. And so I was introduced to it um, through a mutual friend and then um, sort of went on a path like many people of some books and some podcasts. And we live in a great age. You know, the Enneagram was basically an oral tradition explaining these nine different paths of understanding ourselves. But in the 70s, people started to write it down. And now you and I are so lucky. There's pods, there's kinds of different books that we can learn about um, to understand ourselves a little better. And how did you find it? I found it through my friend, John, who had heard um, specifically Richard Moore explain the Enneagram. And so he's the one who brought it to me and helped me understand as a leader what it meant to be an Enneagram to a helper. It's a different way of leading. And so um, I specifically found it that way, um, first through someone explaining it to me and then through um, listening to Father Richard Moore. And then finally, some books, Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile's um, The Road Back to You specifically which I have right here. That's a great book. It's a great, it is a great book. It's a great introduction. I think it's a great waiting in place if people are just getting started and I will have links to that in the show notes. Just quickly, um, tell us who Richard Rohr is. Yeah, he is one of the early um, American explainers of the the Enneagram. He spoke to, um, as a teacher, Suzanne Stabile, who wrote the book that you just held up, The Road Back to You. So he's a Franciscan monk. And as I said, for a long time, the Enneagram was oral tradition. It was passed down, um, you know, in a very conversational, intentional, almost a mentorship way, because the Enneagram, when used incorrectly, isn't really of service to anybody. It wasn't intended to be a meme or just something simple that you take a three-question quiz on um, Instagram and suddenly you understand yourself. It was meant to be a slow path to self-discovery. So he and Helen Palmer in the 70s were two of the people, I think, that helped bring the Enneagram to America. So I I guess the first question is, how can the Enneagram help me? And Um, I I think you hit on some of it, just saying that it's not as simple as answering three questions or, you know, on Instagram and all of a sudden you know what your personality is, et cetera. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about the why and the motivation and some of those key things, but just in a nutshell, how can the Enneagram help me as a person for myself? And then potentially then how does that help me in communicating better understanding, uh, those were those, especially those close relationships around me. You know, um, a few months ago, I went to see my mother-in-law and she said something very interesting to me. She said, wouldn't it be really nice if people came with a manual the way a car does? And I think in a way, the Enneagram gives you a little bit of that information. It helps you understand yourself. There's different, you know, pieces of information about yourself that would serve you to understand. Do you know um, whether you use primarily your thinking center of intelligence, your feeling center, or are you more somebody who leans into their gut-based, you know, um, discerning intelligence? That's really good to know. And it's really important to know yeah, if you're in the- you right there. Yeah. I just want to stop you right there because I want to repeat that because, you know, yeah. I know people, if people are like me, if you're listening and you're like me, you might be walking or working out at the gym or doing dishes or doing a million things while you're listening to a podcast. So think about that for a sec and let yeah. it settle in. We have three- faculties or areas that we, that we process information and we're all a little bit different. So that's the thinking, the head, um, that's the feeling, which I call the gut. I guess it's the heart. And it's then, your heart. Yeah. yeah and then and your gut-based is sort of an inner wisdom. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because I'm heart-based in my type, but I feel more gut-based, but anyway, um, <laughs> but so, you know, the, for the listeners, just pause for a minute and think when you process something, um, 
just kind of see if you can get clear for just a second on how and where you typically believe that it is you process it. Okay, so keep going. I just wanted to kind of raise that piece of awareness for the listeners. I love that so much because you're right. Listening to a podcast, you can catch a glimpse of something. And so that is one of the first things I share with people is just take some time and notice. Do you tend to say, I think? Do you tend to say, I feel? Or do you tend to say, I know? That is a first piece of information about yourself that the Enneagram can kind of clarify for you because those centers of intelligence give you a little bit of information about yourself. The second question I ask people is, what's your orientation to time? Are you somebody who prefers the present moment? Do you like to dream about the future? Or do you find yourself looking back nostalgically, you know, just like trying to learn from the past? We all use all three, obviously but there's one that's easiest for you. So I'm a present focused person. And in general, you're a future focused person. And so when we work together, it can really serve us to listen to each other and learn from each other and not expect the other to be like us. But at the same time, most people are not aware of which of those three they are. And so that's another you know, great piece of information the Enneagram can give you. Okay. So with that, and I know I'm going to be jotting down other questions as we go through here. So, um, I'll come back around to those. So if I do interrupt you, it's nothing personal. It's just that something is, and I, and I like to do that from the place of thinking, how is this going to serve the audience the best? So let's cover, there are nine types. Let's cover those in the order that you prefer. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll go through each, we'll go through a little synopsis of each of the nine types and then, uh, have a little, uh, way that you can access that at the end. So go ahead, Kelly. Well, I think one, easy place to start is we'll go back to those three centers of intelligence and we'll start in the heart because both you and I are there. So the Enneagram, if you think of the nine numbers, like a clock, starting with the number one, we're going to skip one for one moment and we're going to hop over to two and Enneagrams two, three, and four tend to say, I feel a lot and they process life through their feelings. Twos tend to really be focused on the feelings of others. Threes tend to take their feelings and I like to say, put them in a little box so they can be more productive, but they're still aware of everyone else's feelings. And fours tend to be aware of everyone else's feelings and really capable of deeply feeling their own feelings. So that's the first little bit of information. Twos, threes, and fours process life through the feeling center. So any thoughts about that as an Enneagram three who can take your feelings and put them in a little box? Oh, I can, I can just say guilty for certain um, that I am definitely guilty of that as a three. But a quick question about the fours. Would you say that most people who identify as being an empath fall into the four category? No, I think what, that's a beautiful piece of information for people to have. Are they empathetic? Do they have that sort of sense of the feelings of other people. Fours are just really gifted at allowing Phoebe. See, feelings are already in our body. Every time we have a thought, it creates a feeling. Fours are just so good at allowing all the feelings. You know, you and I met through Clubhouse where we met people from around the world. And in other countries, people are a little better than we are here in America at allowing feelings that might be on the other side of the feelings wheel. But in America, we like to stay on the one half of positive, excited, fun, and we were meant to experience all of them. And I think that's the gift the fours bring. You know, Ian Cron, who wrote the book that we just pointed out, said, if your puppy were to die, you want an Enneagram four to come over and sit on the floor with you and just be sad. Um, not an Enneagram two who would come over and just try to help you get another puppy so you could feel better. Because twos, threes, and fours, we can feel other people's feelings. I'm wondering if you ever noticed that before. You could be in a room of people and maybe they haven't told you how they feel. 
but you sort of have a sense of how they feel. I think that's true for most twos, threes, and fours. They have a sense of how people are feeling. Yes. I think I'm very perceptive with that, honestly. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. always navigate it super well, but I'm aware of it. (laughs) Well, I think it's one of the secret powers of the Enneagram three is they're both productive and aware of feelings. And that ability to navigate makes them exceptional entrepreneurs, exceptional um, salespeople, people who need to connect with people. So two, threes, and fours were in the heart center. Um, Five, sixes, and seven. So we're still going around the clock. They're in the head or thinking center. And so they're going to often say, I think. So twos, threes, and fours feel their way through life. Five, sixes, and sevens think their way through life. And so fives love to go really deep into something they find interesting. So we probably all know that uncle or friend of a dad, you know, a dad of a friend who just loved trains. Her husband. And his house was filled with trains and he had books about trains and fives just love to go deep. Or husband, okay. <laughs> um, sixes use their thinking center to kind of prove, the sixes like to sort of, use their thinking center in the hopes that they can prevent things from being unsafe, right? So if they worry correctly or they plan enough, they can keep their life safe. And sevens like to use their thinking center to go into the future and think of all the possibilities of fun that could be had. Sevens are the original inventors of FOMO, right? They're afraid of missing out. So they make sure that they are the life of the party. They bring the fun, they bring the energy, they bring the joy. So they're in the thinking center. They say think a lot. Okay. And then did you say the sevens? The sevens, yeah, they're the ones who are always out in the future. Okay. They're thinking about the possibilities. So are all, oh no, that, that's different futures. Okay. So, all right, keep going with the eights, nines. Yeah, we're just going with the, months. with the feeling, thinking, and then the action, wisdom, inner discernment. You know, when people say like, I just have a gut feeling, they're using that eight, nine, one energy. So again, we're going around the clock. The Enneagram eights, they intuitively know what they want to do and their decisions and their motivation is keeping themselves and the people they care for safe. So the Enneagram eight is sort of referred to as like a bull in a China shop. You usually know when somebody who's an Enneagram eight is in your space, they just project this big gut based decision-making energy. The Enneagram nine, they still have that inner wisdom, but they have a different desire than the eight. Their desire is to keep the peace and to keep harmony. So they take that inner wisdom, but they muffle it so that they can keep peace with the people around them. And then the Enneagram ones, they're the people who in their gut feel like they were given a handbook that the rest of us weren't given of the right and the wrong way to do things. So if you know an Enneagram one, they'll tell you where in your house there's any mistakes, any little paint that's chipping. You know, they're great to have around because they're the ones who make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And if there's anything that needs to be done well, you probably want an Enneagram one somewhere near you to do it. You know, I have a quick, funny, two very quick, funny stories about eights. Um, And uh, I've run into eights earlier in my life and uh, didn't deal as well with it because I didn't have the knowledge that I have. But I recently was at an event and I was one of the facilitators of the event. And I met this woman and she was bold and beautiful and uh, super successful. And I absolutely loved her. Like we connected very, very quickly. And I wasn't even thinking about the Enneagram while we were there, but it was funny. I was facilitating part of this program and making sure that everybody was seated where they needed to be and everybody had what they needed. And I was kind of waiting till the end, but I had placed all my stuff in the seat that I wanted right? Uh, Because I'm a three and I got to have certain things right for me too. And then I was the last one to go use the restroom. And when I came out, she had decided she wanted that seat and she picked up all my stuff and moved it. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, did you move all my stuff? 
And I was half laughing. And part of me was like, how bold of you? Um, and she just kind of laughed and said, yeah, I wanted to sit here. And I immediately sat down and thought eight, total yes. eight. And then later I asked her and she was like, cause she knew the Enneagram and she was like, oh yeah, I'm an eight. And I thought <laughs> I knew it. But the good thing was I had the skill set to understand mm-hmm. that and not let it upset my apple cart and be all, oh, I can't believe she had the nerve to do that. So, and then I had another just, um, quick conversation with a mutual friend of ours the other day who was looking for just a little bit of coaching with her sister-in-law who was, you know, triggering her. And we went through all this stuff. And I said, do you think she might be an eight on the Enneagram? Cause it sounds like she's bullying you. So we use the word bully both. And she mm. never even thought of that, but I think you're probably right. So anyway, those are just some funny stories quickly with the eights. Well, it's a, it's a good piece of information for all of us to know, because both, you know, the person who took your seat, she just knew in her gut what she wanted and it yeah. didn't occur to her not to go for it. So we can learn from them. It's true. She didn't we want find something, it go for it. She wasn't trying to right. offend me or any of that. And I had a choice to make, right? I could either be offended right. or I could be humored by her eightness, mm. knowing that by and large, it didn't matter where I sat. Right. I was, I mean, it didn't matter where right. I, where I sat and it was just funny. And it was good piece of information for me to check my own emotion my character mm. might want to be like, oh, so incensed and just let her be her and get a kick out of it, which I did. Right. <laughs> which you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Awesome. So we covered the feeling or the centers. How do you want to lead us through the personalities? Well, I think as we go through one more time, we can also, while we're talking about these different numbers, we can talk about energy because, you know, I know part of why we're talking today is there's relationships that we're in that sometimes seem easier and sometimes seem harder. And just one little piece of information like, oh, they're looking towards the future and I'm looking towards the past. And that's why we're having a hard time conversing. That could serve us a lot. So do you want to start with the Enneagram one? Sure. Hey, aviator. The Pilot Wife podcast is brought to you by peakperformanceforlife.com, the app that helps you create a vision for your life and the action steps to set, track, and achieve your goals in the seven key areas of life, which are faith, family, field, finance, fitness, friends, and fun. Learn more at peakperformanceforlife.com and welcome peace, joy, and harmony in your successful life. So Enneagram ones are, as we said, in the gut-based center of intelligence. They are present focused and they have what's called a compliant energy. That means they're able to merge with the opinions of the people around them. So there's three different types of energy. There's compliant, which looks to the people around us to help us decide what to do. There's assertive, which knows, you know, you have the assertive energy. I know where I'm going and you can just walk strongly there. You're not really checking in on other people's opinions to know if that's the way to go. And then there's withdrawn energy and withdrawn energy is also strong energy. When you meet a four five or nine and they don't want to do something, I want you to picture like an elephant who's decided not to move. You're not going to move them. So a compliant energy, you can move them around. Assertive energy, they're walking on their own. And withdrawn energy says, I only have so much energy, I need to hold on to it. So ones are are compliance, they're present focused, and they have a core desire. They want to do the right thing the right way. So do you have any ones in your life who like to do things the right way? I cannot come up with a one right off the top of my head of anyone who's close to me. I'm sure I know them, 
it's not it's not resonating with me right off the top of my head. That's okay. I love the idea, though, of just letting people know this. Um, you know, Ian Crone, who wrote the book, when I saw him live, he said he feels like, you know, a lot of the ones in our lives, because they have this, you know, gut-based ability to make decisions, we don't always value what they bring to the table. And so that might be a little bit of wisdom for all of us is when we meet people who might come across as perfectionists or kind of difficult to just give them the grace of maybe they intuitively have a little book inside of them that's saying the right and the wrong answers. And maybe just have a little grace and come from a place of curiosity, you know, hey, I wonder why you think that. Because one's struggle to be able to do the right thing the right way. And for those of us who aren't ones, it doesn't often make sense why they're choosing what they choose. And so hopefully just learning about these nine ways of thinking, feeling, and doing life will give us a little bit of, you know, compassion, empathy for each other. All right. Moving on to the twos. Okay. So I'm an Enneagram two. Um, twos are known as the helpers. Um, one thing about the twos is when we're not self-aware, we often try to be helpful in a way that is not at all helpful. So my favorite TV two is Beverly Goldberg from the Goldbergs. So she loves her children in a way that's very smothering, right? She's always trying to do things for them, but they don't want those things done. So twos are in the heart center. We can feel other people's feelings. We're not as good as the fours at feeling our own feelings. We don't quite put them in a box, but we don't always notice what we're feeling. And twos can be prone to martyrdom. They can do you know, for other people past their own limits. And when that happens, you often end up with like a very grumpy two or a two that feels like people owe them. And so that was the bit of self-awareness that I got was, you know, be careful when I'm giving that it's not to get back and to make sure to ask permission before I do things for other people, especially for adults. Twos make really good bombs of little kids and preschoolers, and they can be really difficult as mothers of adult children without some self-awareness. How about threes? Well, you're a three, so I'd love to hear any insight you have here. My youngest daughter is a three, and threes love to achieve. And so as a nation, America's kind of known as an Enneagram three nation. Like we love to be productive and purpose-filled. And so threes generally wake up and, you know, where ones and twos have this compliant energy, we're looking for the people around us to tell us how to do things the right way. Threes don't need that. Threes have an aggressive or assertive future-focused energy. And so three, sevens, and eights, when they're at the table, they love to dream about the future. And when threes are dreaming, they're thinking, how can we make things better? How can we improve things? How can we become more productive? So have you had any experience as a three with those kind of thoughts? <laughs> Well, you know, I have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Performer, achiever, all of that. And, you know, I think the really interesting thing about it, and this is one thing that I wanted to stress, and so it's the perfect time since we're on my exact number, is that the thing for the Enneagram about me that was so impactful, if that's a word, than other personality types is for whatever reason, I was able to grasp onto this and look at both my strengths and my weaknesses within the personality traits and see how, how they served me and how they were a disservice to me and mm. not be in judgment of it, but instead mm -hmm. almost be in awe of it. If that makes sense and go, yep. it made it easier for me to take a look and say, okay, your um, likability, your worthiness, all of that is not related, you know, based on how much work output but you do on a <laughs> daily basis or your income or any of that type stuff. It really helped me to be able to look at things that 
are often perceived as a strength about a three mm. that are actually a weakness and become aware of those and really work to overcome those. And it's kind of funny. I'm proud of myself through the pandemic because as a future focused person and as a performer achiever, a three could be one of those people who would have been devastated. Not that everybody mm-hmm. couldn't have been, but through all the work that I've done with it, I was able to say, take a pause. There's a reason mm. for this. And now that a reason has evolved, but anyway, keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So you are an example of what a healthy three looks like. And so that's what we really want is the self-awareness to be the healthiest version of ourselves. So our Enneagram fours are also in the feeling center. And instead of that compliant energy, what does everybody want from us? Or that assertive energy, I'm going to go get that. Fours have the withdrawn energy. And so it's like a battery that's trying to hold on to its power. And so fours are trying to do that with their feeling. They feel so deeply and they want to be noticed for how unique and special and authentic they are. And so one thing about fours is when they tell you the truth, you can trust that they're telling you the truth. Threes and seven sometimes can schmooze a little bit. Twos can be um, almost overflowing with compliments. But when a four compliments you, you know that they're being authentic and it's real. And so fours can provide just such a good balance for us with the ability to just lean into our feelings and use them for the information they're meant to be. My daughter's a four and it's been so helpful for me to have this information Mm -hmm. to, to learn how to navigate with her. She's an adult 26 and kind of like what you shared, Kelly, in terms of the two potentially being overly helpful as a three, I'm a fixer. Um, Mm. And so I had to learn a long time, well, not that long ago, wish I would have learned (laughs) earlier, but when she comes to me with something, my first tendency is to want to fix it. And I think that's Mm -hmm. our tendency with our kids anyway, but especially as a three. And what I've learned to do is ask her, are you just wanting to vent and have me listen or do you want some input on this? And now we laugh about it and she'll say, I don't know, just let me vent first. And then if I want your opinion, I'll ask. And I, I really honor that. Sometimes I have to go get the duct tape and put it on my mouth, but that's been helpful. I love that so much because yeah, it's really honoring both the strengths, you and the ability to use your assertive energy to fix something and her and the ability to just be present and focus on what things feel like, which is so helpful because the pandemic felt hard. And our fours can help us process those feelings. So now we're over in the thinking center. Twos, threes, and fours, we're in the um, feeling center. And fives are in the thinking center. And so fives have that withdrawn energy too, where if they don't want to do something, they're not going to do it. And so they are trying to conserve their thinking, their mental energy. And so when they feel like they can't emotionally or physically lean in, they are not going to. So they can appear withdrawn in their energy. And what they do really well is they can become experts on anything they find interesting. We always say in the day, you know, before the internet, your fives were the ones who wanted the encyclopedias for Christmas. So fives love to go deep in information, but like the fours, when they are done, they will withdraw their energy. And that's a unique thing for three, seven, eight people like you to notice because you feel like you have an abundance, never ending supply of energy and four, fives and nines are really aware of limits. And I'm married to a five and I would love to know how many pilots are five, honestly. And the interesting thing about that, this is where I say this helped me so much because I am a three. I'm, I'm an introverted extrovert, but I am an extrovert. Um, And it was like 
all of a sudden he would like go in his cave and I would be like, what did I do? What did I say? Why is it me? Or, you know, whatever. And once I had this knowledge, it literally changed everything. And I was able to say, this is not about me. This isn't about me at all. And as I've gotten more comfortable with it and able to open those tough conversations, right. Then I will ask questions later and he'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I was just, you know, I was tired. I was distracted. Now it was nothing like that. And then I'm like, see, it's really true. It's amazing. Um, so, and it's funny about the information. So my daughter has this joke because she's super into the Enneagram too, but she always says, I know to be really careful if I say anything to dad about something I'm exploring. For instance, if I were to say to him, I think I might go to law school. She says, I know that first thing tomorrow morning, I would have this email that contained the top 20 law schools in the country, maybe abroad, why, and what to to look for. So she's like, I've learned just to be really careful whatever I say. Well, it just, it energizes them. And so what a gift to be able to say, you know, as a four in her feeling center, hey, dad, from your logical five center, tell me some thoughts you have. That's so beautiful. So next in the thinking center is the Enneagram sixes. And so they are known as our loyalists. They also have the compliant energy, like ones and twos, where they're looking for information outside of themselves. And, you know, if people say we're going to lean over this way, sixes will do that, right? They'll be the sturdy, you know, they'll be the glue in the center of a community. But sixes are using their thinking center to try to prevent bad things from happening. And sometimes that's needed. Ian Crone has a great story about how important it is for there to always be in, you know, a herd of animals or a tribe of people, the people who are looking out for the, oh no, what if? And all of those different pieces of information the Enneagram gives us, it's like you said earlier, it's 50-50. There's a positive, like life-changing part of this information that you need to lean into more. And then there's this dark side we need to be aware of too. So the sixes are really good at making sure that you're safe. If you're going to go on a trip with a six, they're going to know the hotel and the time of the plane and the backup plane, the backup after that. But sixes need to be aware that sometimes they're thinking kind of spiral into worry and anxiety. So all of the pieces of information the Enneagram give you can really serve you. It's like a little manual for you. Well, it's and funny. Then, my son is a six. Yeah, and he is an explosive ordinance tech in the uh, disposal ordinance tech, an explosive ordinance tech in the Marine Corps. I didn't say that all the way right, but anyway, so it's kind of funny, and that helped me a lot to understand um, his personality with a lot of that. So yes. Well, he's in the right role. He's going to think through all the things. He won't do something spontaneous. He'll do it carefully and make sure everyone's safe. And then we have the Enneagram sevens and they're also in the thinking center, but they're so good at going to the future and coming up with possibility and excitement. But the 50-50 side for the Enneagram seven is sometimes you can't reframe life, right? So the Enneagram sevens at the beginning of COVID, my daughter is a seven and the president of her university was the biggest seven I've ever met. And every Friday for eight weeks, he sent them a note that next week they'd probably be back at campus. Well, guess what? They never did get back to campus. And at some point, you know, sevens have to come to reality and that can be really hard. But sevens are often the life of the party. They're the joy, the energy. We love to have our sevens around them. So you must know some sevens because you, most people who meet you might even think you are a seven. You you present with so much joy and energy. So you have some friends who are sevens? I do. I I have two women in a mastermind with me and they're both sevens. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a very solid three. I knew I was a three, but if there were ever going to be a second one, when I typed myself, so to speak, seven was it. Yeah. That's so fun. And so that's the thinking center. And so now we're just going to finish going around the clock. And so the Enneagram eight, as I said, 
join the three and the seven with that assertive, aggressive, future-focused energy. And where the threes and the sevens can awesome, often be assertive, the eights in general are aggressive with their energy. They know where they're going. So picture that person in the mall who's trying to get from where they are to the store they want to go to, and they intuitively know where to go, and they kind of just push their way through people, right? The eights know where they're going and why they're going there and what they're doing. And so they come across with really confident energy, like the lady at your conference who was like, I want to sit in this seat at this time. And so that's a strength. We all should be really good at affirming what we want in life and, you know, having the energy to stand for that. But sometimes they can come across, you know, really too strong um, when people don't understand that they're just trying to speak the truth. People might think that they're kind of cruel. So, you know, eights have a balance, especially it's a very interesting thing when it comes to the male female dynamic. Eight males in general get promoted. They become presidents of organizations. Eight females, I don't know if it's getting easier, but for a long time, they were often labeled as the difficult woman to work with. And so my oldest daughter is an Enneagram eight, and it really gave her a lot of confidence that this is how she's wired and why she's wired that way. But it is a really good thing for Enneagram eights to know about themselves. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. This gal we have the, here, she knew she yeah. was late and she knew how to work with it. So that was good. Excellent. Right. Self-awareness, right? That's the whole key. So then we're going to go to the very top of the clock. We're at the Enneagram nines and those are our peacemakers. So again, withdrawn energy is a really good thing to know if that is the type of energy you have. You're always trying to hold on to it like a savings account for your energy. Three sevens and eights, they think there are no limits to life, right? I bet every single morning you wake up and you are just like, here we go. And it could be 10 o'clock at night and you have the ability to rally yourself if you want to like, Oh, one more cup of coffee, one little quick Red Bull and I can keep going. Um, nines don't have that fours, fives and nines. They feel like there's a limit to their energy. And so that's where we can really serve each other because there is a limit to everyone's energy and three sevens and eights can be like, but maybe one more little push. We can probably do that if we want to. Nines have a core desire to keep the peace. And what their struggle is, is in their gut, just like an eight and a one, they know their own inner wisdom, but they will muffle it in order to keep the peace. And so I think for Enneagram nines to figure out they're a nine, one of the best things is um, there's a, a singer who has a band name called Sleeping at Last, but it's basically just him. And he's written a song about each Enneagram number. And his, his nine song is so powerful because he is a nine. And he said, you know, I've spent more than half my life being half myself. And so for the nines, know that we need you there. Ian Crone, who wrote that book we talked about, said he thinks the best presidents are actually nines because nines have the ability to listen to all kinds of different thoughts and opinions and take what's good from each of them. So each of these nine numbers have incredibly powerful gifts about them. And then they have a dark side that it's really important to figure out. And self-awareness is key for all of us to live, you know, really strong, healthy lives. Very good. All right. I think that described it pretty well. Um, so now the next question, of course, a lot of people are going to have is which number am I on the Enneagram? Mm. And I think we both share the same theory of not just going out there and taking a random test. So tell me what your thoughts are on that. Well, so podcasts like this can be really helpful. And going on to a place like Clubhouse, where we talk about the Enneagram is helpful because you hear other people speak. And you start to notice, oh, that sounds like me, or that sounds like my sister. Um, the two questions I ask people as an Enneagram coach are, notice your energy. Do you think you have a future-focused energy, a present-focused, or a past-focused? That might take you a little bit of time, or that might be something that 
you know instantly. I would almost guarantee you knew you had a future-focused energy. That didn't probably take a lot of work for you to figure out. Um, I understood my compliant energy pretty quickly. So that limited my number to, am I a two? Am I a six? Am I a one? And then the other thing we ask is notice whether you are feeling like thinking your way through life or just intuitively with a gut-based wisdom. And if you can match those two things, there's only one number. So that's one of the things I do with people when I coach them is if they can find the answer to those two questions, there's only one number that has that energy and that center of intelligence. So for instance, as a two, I have a compliant energy like a one and a six, but I'm in the heart center. And the only heart-centered compliant energy is the Enneagram two. So you have a future-focused assertive energy. And what's hard for three, sixes, and nines is you tend to take your center of intelligence and you box it away. So threes box away their feelings to be productive. Nines box away their gut intuition in order to find the peace. And six will put away their logic in order to try to find safety. So for three, sixes, and nines, it sometimes takes a little bit more work to find that number. Interesting. I love that. Um, And then final question really is how can this help me relate better than to pilots and others? Should I type other people? Tell me about that. Yeah, we can't type other people because the Enneagram is teaching us what our core motivation is. And our core motivation has different parts. What's your core fear? What's your core desire? And we don't know that about other people. What we see in other people is behavior. And so the Enneagram, you know, is a very complex system. It's why it was taught one-to-one for so long. Um, It takes time to figure out who am I? Why do I do life the way I do? And then there's these layers of information that you and I found so helpful about um, different behaviors that we go to in stress and in health. So you can't type other people. You can just notice behavior. But what the Enneagram can give you is grace, understanding, curiosity. Oh, it seems like that person thinks differently than I do. Oh, it seems like they're using their gut-based intuition, even though I would use a logical pro-con list at this point. And that's what I think can really serve any kind of relationship, whether at home or at work. Understand yourself, get a really good level of self-awareness, the dark side, the positive side, and then work towards grace and understanding other people. So I do highly recommend you don't type other people because it's almost impossible to do it correctly. Like you said, people, if they met you might say, oh, Jackie's definitely a seven. She's all sunshine and future. But really what motivates you is your desire to achieve. And that's so different than the desire of a seven. Yeah, very good. And just quickly for those listening, if you go to Enneagram, dot pilotwifepodcast.com. I've got a little handout there for you. That's going to give you some of the verbiage that we talked about. And it is better to read through some of this, just as Kelly shared, see and think and feel and read and all that stuff and process where you believe that you fall into it and spend a little bit of time with that. And then certainly pass that on to your pilot, your partner, whoever, and have them look at it too, and just have some fun learning about it, learning about each other. So Kelly, thank you for this. Tell me where people can go to learn more about you. Sure. If people would like to learn more about the Enneagram, um, you can find me at kellytibbets.com, T-I-B-B-I-T-T-S.com. I'm on Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, and I love to help people um, gain that layer layer of self um, understanding, self-awareness. And um, yeah, I look forward to getting to help people. Um, What I really think is one of the best things you can do is pick up that book that Jackie talked about, The Road Back to You. It is a really easy to read primer and it goes through each number in a really clear way. 
Um, if you're going to pick just one book, I think that's the one to start with. I think it is too. And just quickly, I know for me, one of the things that I really love about this is it starts with at, at your section, it starts with like, what's it like to be a two? And it gives you yes. 20 quick things about that. And then at the back, at the end, once you've read through it, it tells you some things to watch out for. So mm. um, it gives you those, let me, I'm trying to 10 paths to transformations for twos. Yeah which is kind of bad. It's like, it, that's where it brings up your weaknesses, so to speak. That's not really the right word, but it helps you look at some of that and see where, oh, well, this is where some of this behavior of mine might not be serving me. And so if I'm aware mm. of that and can shift things, I can do that in a better way, perhaps. Yes. Absolutely. So I will have all that in the show notes, and then we'll have to come back and do this again and expand because there are wings and stances and it gets really crazy, but we don't want to overwhelm people today. We just want to give you some basics, empower you with some tools that you can get out there and understand yourself better first. That helps you relate to the world better and then have some fun with that with those who are um, close close to you so that you can all work together. Kelly, any final thoughts? No, I just hope that people take this little glimpse of information and go a little bit deeper because I guarantee understanding the Enneagram will serve you and every relationship you're in. So thanks for having me on, Jackie. All right. So again, go to enneagram.pilotwifepodcast.com, grab that report and just kind of go through it. It's just a little handout that's going to walk you through and do some explanation of the different types. And I know it will help you for sure. And just a quick, funny story. Um, talking about the fives and being inward because I'm married to one and I'd love to know how many pilots are fives. If you're familiar with the rock band Rush, it's a three-piece band and unfortunately the, the drummer passed away last year, but they are all three Enneagram fives. And I heard this on a podcast once and it was fascinating to me because they're probably at the bottom of the A-list of really big bands. They never made it just blockbuster. They made it, but never blockbuster. And the theory behind this person anyway, who does personality types in the Enneagram is that as fives, they used up all their energy performing. So there were no backstage passes, no meetups, not a lot of press. They did not at all enjoy promoting themselves and, and being that rock star band. And it's kind of funny. You won't find a lot of negative press about them trashing hotel rooms or, um, you know, being obnoxious or doing a lot of those bad boy things, especially that went on in the eighties and nineties and et cetera. And that's the theory behind it. So just, that's just a quick, funny story. I wanted to close with, I appreciate you being here and I will see you on the next show. Um, and again, we'll be back with Kelly and cover some other, some other pieces of the Enneagram. Thanks for being here. If you like what you're hearing on the show, grab the pilot wife checklist at pilotwifechecklist.com. And if you have a topic suggestion or a story to share on the show, go to ask.pilotwifepodcast.com. Share the show with any pilot wives, military wives, or anyone in aviation you know who might share and benefit from this similar experience. I'll see you on the journey.